is back. The Drool King Lotor has returned with a dark energy that can destroy the galaxy. Our only hope? The Voltron Force, a team of five heroic pilots that control five awesome robot lions. When Lotor's monstrous robot beasts attack, the lions come together to form Voltron, defender of the universe. Voltron fans, this is Mark Morell, your host for Let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast. We're here for another exciting episode review for Voltron Force, and I have my co-host here, Greg Tyler. Welcome, Greg. Hello. And then we also have Shannon Weir back again. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, as always. Hello, hello. Hi. So what is new with you? Well, been keeping busy. Uh, took some classes um at various schools some of that's been winding down and so i'm starting to wrap ramp up as it were to a new venture going to start a master's in librarian information science wow cool but in the meantime also had a little bit of fun a couple months ago i actually went out to wondercon for two of the three days it was my first it was my first venture into a bigger con arrangement than than i've you know done going to VoltCon last year that was small and intimate so i'm like okay we're gonna give this a try because it's just down the road one of the neatest things that happened for me wandering the exhibit hall was i got to meet stephen e gordon oh yeah of course and i've i've run into a lot of people in the business but i had never met him in person before he happened to be selling prints on the floor and mm-hmm. it was just nice to to grab a couple minutes with him and and match names to faces always cool that's great that's pretty much what i've been up to cool yeah we had uh stephen e gordon on the podcast and i have seen him a couple of times at the uh the artist alley so that that's pretty cool that is great i'm glad you got to see him so, um, you know, uh, we have VoltCon coming up in October, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So there are only a few things that would keep me from getting to VoltCon. And, yeah. and one of those things is happening in this October. <laughs> and it's not a row beast. No. No. Uh, so as it turns out, my stepson is getting married. That's awesome. And he's getting married. But... But, uh, congrats <laughs> and he's getting married on that same weekend so uh, of all so, the nerve <laughs> so i will uh be doing my stepfather duties and i will be attending the the wedding so uh yeah. in my stead uh we are going to be having shannon uh help out greg on all the panels that we're planning on doing for Volcon. So thank you, Shannon, for participating in that. Thank you for entrusting me enough with everything that the two of you have built together to let me help you out. That that's my honor. Well, you uh, you were a a major major help with us at VoltCon 2021, uh, presenting at at a number of our uh, uh, you know the the presentations that we were were planning and. Uh, you offered a lot of great insight that, you know, 
uh, you know, it, what they say, what's the Vulcan thing? Itic, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And, you know, we're, we're having additional perspectives uh, is so, so very important in conversations. And uh, we're glad to have you, uh, you know, uh, helping out with that again and, and, and even uh, preparing a, uh, doing the, the lead on, on one of the panels. Uh, we'll, we'll uh, I guess we'll keep the panels under wraps for now. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, so glad to have you with us. Yeah, so. Again, uh, again, thanks. And Mark, we will definitely miss you. And I don't think the two of us are the only ones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But 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 no that yeah nope. So You're I, important. I, I've I've never missed a podcast, and, and I've never missed an event. So this is going to be the first event that I've I've ever not attended. Yeah, and uh, let's Voltron's been happening since December 2013. So uh, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Man, I don't know that I would know how to push record. So I'm so glad that you haven't missed any. <laughs> so, so this is good because uh, we have submitted our list of panels to the VoltCon organizers, to Kevin and Patrick and Savannah and everybody that works on VoltCon. Mm -hmm. uh, we are excited to be bringing four panels again. So there yep. will probably be two on Saturday and two on Sunday. Uh, we're not ready to announce exactly what they are yet because we're going to wait until uh, Volcon uh, releases their program. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. but uh, we we will be working hand in hand, all three of us together, to to make these panels happen so that they're the best they can be for all the participants at Volcon in October, and. Uh, I'm I'm kind of hoping that maybe we can throw a little twist in on Sunday and maybe work something out virtually. We'll see. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, we we will miss you, but uh, obviously we're going to be working with you as as as, as Shannon and you have uh, already uh, alluded to with getting the materials ready, and uh, and uh, you'll always be there in spirit, and uh, and maybe virtually on Sunday. So. Right. So that's that's part news. Uh, so that affects Let's Voltron a lot. But there's something else that out there that affects a lot of Voltron fans. Hmm. Mighty Warbots. <laughs> <laughs> so people are probably wondering why we haven't talked about it yet. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we we do record these these podcasts and we do record you know, several of them. And I have right now one in the can that I still have to edit and get it out there while we're working on this one. Mm -hmm. So uh, things are happening, you know, out there in, in the Voltron worlds. And one of those things is they mentioned that they're, they're talking about a live action Voltron movie again. Mm -hmm. right. Now we've all been there before. <laughs> Indeed, we have. Okay, so over the past 20 years, uh, this has probably been tried to be put together probably about four or five times, right? Sounds yep. about right. So uh, what we have right now is we have the name of a director. We have a name of a writer, and the director is also going to co-write. We have some producers. And we now have a studio 
that's going to be working with the distribution of it. So the studio is Amazon, Amazon Studios, which is big because Amazon's huge. What's Amazon? <laughs> oh, oh, from the all the vehicle team episode, Planet of the Amazons, totally it. Yeah, right. So with that, you know, with that in mind, uh, there have been releases that have gone into the theaters, and then later on, they've been introduced on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, you you've probably seen movies that have gone on HBO Max, where they've gone into the theater and then they've shown up on HBO Max. And then there's movies on Netflix that don't necessarily start in the theaters. They just get introduced right on Netflix. Right. And it, as it turns out, uh, you know, Netflix has been seeing a little bit of, uh, I don't know, shaky, shaky stuff going on lately. Their, their, their stock has dropped a little bit. They, they had subscribers that had dropped. Um, and it looks like they're going to have to switch to a different type of model for membership. And that may include, uh, going to a lower rate, but with ads, Mm -hmm. because as streaming services go, they had one of the highest rates out there. Right. So there was uh, a time when that was justified because they were the only game in town. And then right. other other content owners decided, you know, we can stream this stuff too. So yeah, yeah. So as it turns out, Netflix wasn't in the bidding for this. So and now uh, we know, kind of know why. Right. So now we know, and we've also heard recently that Netflix is shutting down their their Netflix animation studios. Yeah, they, they have been, I can confirm that from here in LA, not in its entirety, but I know specific projects that have been closed down, some in the midst of pre-production, some never getting out of development. It's, I haven't heard that that's the case entirely, but it, there's nothing that would discount that either. Let me put it that way. Yeah, that's a shame. I mean, I, I, I don't like it when any animation studios you know, fold or anything like that, but it just seems like uh, they're not putting as much into it as as we had thought that they were going to have. We thought, you know, Netflix was going to be having animation coming out a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. So. I mean, but, I don't know anything for a fact on that, but it, a lot of their stuff up until recently, as we know, like Legendary Defender and other and other items, were provided through third parties and this was them trying to start their own studio to do stuff in-house right right and one can only guess based on everything else is maybe crunching the numbers again i'm theorizing i don't have an an in on that just because i live in la right but but um the reason i mentioned netflix to begin with uh was because the director that's going to be a part of the voltron movie had the highest viewership movie on Netflix ever. And that was Red Notice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And of course the director's name is Rawson Marshall Thurber. So- That's that's a big name. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, they've already been in talks about making a Red Notice 2 and possibly a Red Notice 3. 
So with that going on, he's also taking on Voltron. And he's not just directing, he's also going to co-write. And the other co-writer is Ellen Shanman. And some of the producers that were named were Todd Lieberman, David Hoberman, and of course, Bob Coppler from World Events Productions. So with all that going on, we know there's, there's a writer and co-writer, there's a director, there's a studio, and there's producers. So the next step is to get a script that's going to be approved. That would so, be awesome. So we know that that type of thing could take a while. But once they get an approved script, we'll probably be farther along than we ever have been with all the other previous attempts that they've, they've tried to get a live action movie for Voltron. Right. And, and for those who, who might think, oh, you know, hey, that's taken them so long. Movies take a lot of money to make. It takes a lot of moving parts to get a, a, a movie to any stage of pre-production, much less getting the cameras to roll. So this is this is a very common thing, uh, more mm -hmm. often than not, I would assume. So, um, you know, let's that, all be patient, hopeful and see what happens. And that pre-production also involves getting a cast together. So and and the crew, you know, mm -hmm. so you're talking about a cast, you're talking about a crew. Uh, and then you start doing some preliminary artist work, you know, to to put together storyboards, to, to put together artist concepts for some of the things that would be in the movie. And it's all based on the script. Right. So all that moving along. And then, of course, you have to worry about people's schedules. And like I said, you know, Ross and Thurber's got red notice two red notice three I, th I think he was involved in a, a dungeons and dragons type of uh projects somewhere on the side there's there's lots of things he's probably involved with yeah he's and very much in demand and he's got to he's got to fit all this voltron stuff in so uh we're going to see how it goes of course we're mm -hmm. going to be following along here uh we're of course we're excited for it mm -hmm. but uh, you know, with our track record and everything in the past, we, we, we're not jumping, you know, to, to mention every little thing that's going on because there's really nothing happening right now other than the fact that we learned there was a studio involved, Amazon, and the, the director and the writers and the producers. Right. There's nothing going on that we know about right. aside from that information. Fair enough. <laughs> right. Right. So, but we're excited for that. And uh, maybe uh, Bob Coppler will be able to provide a little bit more information at Volcon later this year. Yeah, let's hope so. Of course, there's also going to be, you know, anybody in getting involved in the Voltron project will have to sign an NDA and then they won't be able to talk about it. There's always that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So are we ready to do uh, an episode review for Voltron Force? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. This is a, they're, they're all good, but this is a really good one. <laughs> <laughs> Although it this... ruffled a lot of feathers back in the day, as I recall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's, here's a little bit of background. Okay. 
This is called Rogue Trip. This is episode 115. It's the 15th episode of the 26th. And it's written by Dan Powell. And I wanted to say that when we had uh, the director, John Delaney on, mm -hmm. he told us the person that they were trying to get to be the voice of Dudley was Seth Green. Ah. That would have been awesome. And so, and, you know, Seth Green has, has done that geeky voice before. Of course, lots of times in Robot Chicken and, and on Family Guy and things like that. So right. he would have been perfect for the role. Oh, yeah. But uh, do we know who we did get for the voice of Dudley? Um, not a, not an, uh, an actor from outside. I am 99.9% .9 convinced that was Sam Vincent, although I do not believe he was formally credited with that. Yeah. But I, th I thought that was a great story that they tried to get Seth Green. They just couldn't work it out with schedules and everything. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, that's just a shame. Yeah. But you know what, who we got was really good at what he did. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I, I guess you have to know a guy. Yes, your dad has to know a guy who knows a guy. Yes. Yeah. No, he. Okay. Yes, I did miss that. He played Dudley. Sam Vincent indeed was Dudley. Awesome. Now, interestingly, Mark Hildreth is credited as voicing Lotor in this episode, um, but he's not in this episode, so I don't know what's up with that. And that's why I was confused at first. I thought. As I went through the cast list, I caught Lotor and thought he's not even in this one. But uh, yeah, um, he's credited, and uh, yeah. Sam Vincent is credited as, as Dudley. So well, that was that was another thing that made this episode special was the fact mm -hmm. that there there was no big bad that we usually have. There's no Mayhawks. There's no Lotor. There's no Wade. There's there's just Dudley. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so, Commander yeah. Bradley. yeah. <laughs> so did you want to go over the cast or not? Just a regular cast, uh, right? Yes. Now that I caught the, the omission of the Dudley voice actor. Uh, it's yeah. basically the usual players. Uh, Ashley Ball as Allura, Doran Bell Jr. as Vince, Shannon Chan Kent as Larmina, Andrew Francis as Lance, Mark Hildreth as Lotor, who's not in this episode, Giles Panton as Keith, Ty Olson as Hunk, Vincent Tong as Daniel, and Sam Vincent playing... Pidge, King Alfor, and Dudley. Yeah, that's awesome. And and also of interest uh, is that the story credit uh, goes to Todd Garfield, Jeremy Corey, and Adam Hackbarth. This is his only episode in which he's credited as doing uh, story work on the show. So I'm not sure how that worked out, but uh, we're glad he was involved. <laughs> Good. Okay, mm -hmm. we start we start off in the Castle of Lions with just Hunk. And he's standing over the radar console and he's saying, huh, radar duty. Oh, well, I'm sure I'm not missing anything. Hmm. <laughs> but he's looking at three tiny green dots that are slowly inching their way across the screen. And then we go to the Erosion Desert where we see the three cadet vehicles blazing across the desert the screen splits into various panels to cover the action. And in one panel, we see Daniel in his cockpit and he says, Hunk, you have no idea what you're missing. So he pops a wheelie, hits the throttle, speeds ahead of the others. And then Larmina saying to Vince, 
Well, he's enthusiastic. And Vince says, we should just let him have his fun. And Daniel kicks it into overdrive. And Daniel says, top this, dorks. And then Larmina, not amused, says, or not. So the thing that happens here is Larmina, I, I guess she's popping the gear shift. She's got a gear shift or something. Mm -hmm. Is that what happens? That's what it looks like. But she's got the thing with four legs, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, that thing starts galloping and then quickly gaining ground on Daniel's speeder. And then they are approaching a massive cliff wall. And Larmina says, want to play chicken, huh? What ends up happening is Larmina's vehicle bends its legs and leaps up landing square on the top of the cliff while Daniel he's forced to do a, like a, like a, a hockey skate stop, you know, with, with his vehicle. And then Larmina says, looks like I'm on top. Wouldn't you say? And then Vince rolls his eye to the split screen and Vince says, can you two give it a rest? We came here for a very specific and awesome task. One I'd like to get to. <laughs> I loved that break in the fourth wall. It's like, uh-huh. Did you guys have any idea when you saw this the first time what that task might be? Nope. No. I mean, th these are clearly not the same vehicles that we were introduced to in the Hunkyard, uh, but they're very heavily inspired by them. Um, I don't think I had any inkling that they were going to combine. Okay. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> I know I didn't. So... So Hunk is speaking now, and Hunk says, Roger that, Voltron Force Cadets. You are go for trial formation sequence. Let's keep it cautious. So they're actually going to try to combine these vehicles. And the way they're doing it is you see it on the radar. They're in three different directions coming in towards each other. So Hunk says, remember, this is your maiden voyage. Take it slow. And then Daniel says, slow isn't in my vocabulary. And of course, Larmina Lar Lar says, to be fair, your vocabulary only has about six words. <laughs> and then a weird owl where he, uh, he spoofs George Harrison's I've got my mind set on you, or he's got his song is this song is just six words long. <laughs> <laughs> ah, love it. So Daniel says, you're going to have to speed up if you want to make this work. And then Larmina and Vince look at each other. Hunk watches the three darts start approaching each other faster and faster. Hunk says, cadets, what's going on out there? I said, take it slow. Cadets? Cadets? <laughs> They're not answering him. No. And as they get closer, Larmina says, ready to combine? Vince says, don't we need to slow down for some sort of activate interlocks thing? And Daniel says, nope. I say we go with a simple, let's Voltron. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> <laughs> you seem excited, Mark. Why? <laughs> the name of the podcast is in the show. Oh, yeah. So, so Mark, what was it that when, you know, you're, you're, you were here since day one with the podcast, yeah. obviously. This was your, uh, this was your, uh, I guess you could say brainchild. And, 
how did you decide on the name let's voltron back then it was jeremy oh jeremy corey all right i didn't think we were going to get to call it something like that (laughs) i thought we were going to have to call it the galaxy garrison or something like that i didn't think we'd be able to do this and jeremy says why don't we just call it let's voltron Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. So that was that was all Jeremy because I really didn't think I was going to be able to do that. <laughs> but in calling it the official Voltron podcast, I guess we can do that. All right. So he took, you know, what was the, the theme song for Voltron Force and of course, that same name of the of the theme song was used a few times in the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time we're seeing it, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> a, little la- a little later on, we'll, we'll get, we'll get uh, Daniel doing it with Keith. Yes. And that'll be fun. Yep. So, so I should point out that we kind of jumped uh, from the teaser into act one. Um, yes, because they uh, they were about to what looked like collide with each other, and then they cut to uh, the opening credits, and now we're in Act One. So yeah, right. Thank you. Yep. You see the vehicles about to collide. Daniel smiles as he says that and pulls two two handles. Larmina, equally determined, does the same. Vince pulls his and closes his eyes, and then Larmina <laughs> says, "It's working." And then you see in a full screen, their vehicles leap together, transforming and interlocking into a new robotic warrior. With hair. (laughs) Where did that come from? It has hair. (laughs) So apparently Daniel forms the legs. Uh, I can't, I don't have any screen caps on hand. I, to me, I, I mean, you could go, you could go based on colors, but it's hard to tell. Yeah. Basically, Daniel's the legs, Larmina's the forearm body, Vince is the head and the chest shield. Okay. All right. And, and, uh, and, and what's very interesting, a lot of things are interesting, but one of them is that, uh, as with the Hunkyard vehicles, um, whenever you see the vehicles operating by themselves, you see the pilots in open cockpits. And those, are, those cockpits, the, the characters that you see there are 3D art, in the 3D vehicles when you see the wide shots. And in the close-up shots, we have the traditional 2D art. And here, when they combine, you know, there's a lot of trickery going on here mm-hmm. as, the, as the vehicles, you know, do their thing to combine. A lot of uh, fun edit, editing and animation tricks. Um, and when they combine, they are now in closed cockpits. Um, so apparently there are roofs that fold over their heads at, in addition to all the other uh, whiz-bangery of the, uh, the vehicles. <laughs> Hunk's only word is wicked. And then uh, the the robotic warrior starts bounding across the desert doing ninja-style acrobatics. And Daniel says, this is incredible. What do we call him? (laughs) Vince says, how about Neutron? Because it's like Voltron, but newer. And because a neutron is also a subatomic particle that is... (laughs) And, And Larmina says, we get it. Too geeky. How about Rathgar the Destructor? <laughs> Daniel the says, or the Burninator. <laughs> joke. <laughs> Daniel says that's too evil. How about Voltronimus Prime? 
Larmina says, too oddly familiar. That's uh, semi-cool. And actually, she that, that part, the too oddly familiar, I don't, was that actually in the episode? I, think I don't script, but I, thought, I think it was actually, I don't remember it when I watched it, and I've watched it like six times in last week. Oh, okay. The line does so, not set up. Oh, me. so she doesn't say that's only semi-cool. Oh, she says the semi-cool semi -cool, part, but, but not the, the oddly, oddly familiar. familiar. Oh, okay. And so Hold this on. is a fun, yeah, so this is not only a fun tip of the hat to uh, Optimus Prime, in case uh, any of our viewers or listeners uh, did not make the connection, uh, but Optimus Prime has, a, has an indirect history with Voltron in that Peter Cullen, who originally voiced Optimus Prime, was the narrator and a voice actor in Voltron Defender of the Universe, and uh, Gary Chalk, who voiced Optimus Primal in Beast Wars and Beast Machines, uh, plays uh, Sky Marshal Wade and Manset in, in this show. And of course, our friend uh, uh, Neil Kaplan played Optim an incarnation of Optimus Prime, and he would play Zarkon and various other characters in Voltron Legendary Defender. So thank you. I'll have to say that uh, having Optimus Prime be a part of Voltron would be oddly familiar. It would. <laughs> <laughs> but when they say that's only semi-cool, it's also because Optimus Prime transforms into a tractor trailer, which is also known as a semi. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so Daniel says it needs to be something that just shouts awesome. And then all of a sudden they look at each other and they just shout out together, Awesome Tron. I mean, who wouldn't name a robot Awesome Tron? Sure. <laughs> Daniel says done and done. And he says, now let's see what Awesome Tron can do. But then without warning, Awesome Tron starts to power down with a loud hum. And Larmina says, some kind of mechanical failure? And Hunk says, nope, it was my stomach. In all honesty, as I watched it, I didn't pick up, just purely from watching it, that it was anything going on in Awesome Tron. I thought it was literally Hunk's stomach being that loud. And if it's that loud when he's hungry, I'm just glad. It, I, I hope it's only loud, that loud when he's hungry and not when he's doing other things. <laughs> yeah, he says, you three noobs need to get back here and find me some lunch. <laughs> he can't get his own lunch? I was going to say, dude. Well, he's tired of hanging out by himself, probably. That's I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah, he okay. makes the point of that in, in the very first shot. He's like, read yeah. our duty again. <laughs> yep. Um, as we had seen back in the cadets' dorms, all the way back to the very first episode at the Galaxy Garrison uh, Flight Academy, um, there's wall art in the den with, with uh, Voltron. And this is probably the most Voltron wall art that we will ever see in the show. And each of these images is directly referencing the 1980s version of Voltron. Yeah, I uh, noticed that. There's one that is particularly interesting to me as a, as a major, a couple that are actually really interesting to me. I'm going to pull up a screenshot, if you don't mind, okay. and just show what, uh, what I mm. saw here, which is really kind of interesting. So this is some, but not all of the wall art that's shown in the episode. But notice over mm. here, this to the left, this is an image of Go Lion, and they've cropped out a lion head that would have appeared in a, in a uh, Go Lion mm. artwork. Mm -hmm. uh, so, that, so this is technically Go Lion. 
Um, we've got here's one of the '80s look, uh, shots. Look, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Very nice. It's a similar shot there. This is Voltron looking over his shoulder, holding the sword. In the full shot, he's got his arms down at an angle, and he's got the sword in one hand. Um, I think this is this might also be uh, mirrored from what is from the actual uh, original image. This one over here is from the video game. Oh. This, it's actually 3D art from one of the very mm. earliest video games. And uh, I do not recall the name of this game, despite the fact that we recently went through the gaming history. And the one on the far right is really, really interesting to me. And I don't know anything about where it came from. It's cropped, and this is the most that we ever see in, in this episode. Um, but you can mm. see it's 1980 style Voltron with yeah. the blue lion leg removed. And you see the lower leg of the black lion here. And it looks like there's some kind of a call out for a detail for what uh, what uh, uh, Princess Fala called the machine gun pod in, in Go Lion. Um, the uh, the rear right hip of, uh, of the lion is is removed there. And there's even if you look very closely, I'm going to zoom in. Unfortunately, we're reaching the limits of the resolution of the screen cap. There's a human standing here for reference, complete with 1.75 meters oh. scale. Um, yeah. And, and there's also the 80s Voltron logo right there, too, which is kind of fun. Um, so I think this is the only time you you see the exact 1980s Voltron logo in any Voltron production. Nice. Um, yeah. Now, you see a variant of this in uh, a later episode where uh, Vince is showing off his music video at that, uh, that's that uh, convention. Uh, but this is the real deal. So cool. there we go. Yeah. So and that's it for that. All right. So in in the cadet lair, the den, uh, they're sitting around. Oh, it, is the, it is the lair. I called it the den by mistake. My apologies. Yeah. In the lair, they're eating a Pentagon-shaped future pizza directly out of the box. Okay. So let's, let's talk about this pizza. This is actually an erosion version of pizza. Because That's yeah. What implies. yeah. So Daniel picks what looks like a fish almost off of his piece and he says, um, what is this? And Hunk says, erosion anchovy. Have you ever had anchovies on your pizza? No. Rarely. Very rarely. They're so salty. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never liked anchovies, so I've never had it on a pizza. But I this have, one but I would not do it by choice. <laughs> <laughs> but this particular one started wriggling in, in Daniel's yeah. hand, and he throws it <laughs> throws it on the ground. Mm -hmm. And he says, "Ooh, it's like it's like Klingon food or something." You know, God, yeah, it's best when served live. <laughs> anyway, and and Hunk says. So you're not going to eat that? <laughs> and Daniel says, I miss Earth pizza. And Vince says, heard that. And Hunk says, oh, best in the galaxy. And Larmina is, is really intrigued at this point. She says, really? Hunk says, oh, yeah, pizza holes deep dish. <laughs> Can't be beat. And then Daniel nods. And Vince says, I prefer pizza face. <laughs> And then Hunk and Daniel are, what, you, what are you thinking? No one eats that junk. 
<laughs> and Larmina says, what could possibly be so special about circular cheese bread? So that's the first time I've ever heard pizza referred to as circular cheese bread. It's a, it's a pretty accurate description. Cheese seems to be uh, almost always on pizza, unless, uh, unless there are uh, issues with uh, eating cheese. But uh, yeah, that's funny. And, and uh, I, I like that pizza is getting some attention here. It makes me wonder what Arusian pizza, what people really think of it on Eris. We'll, we'll have to ask the two or three Arusians that we ever see uh, what they think of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, Vince and Daniel stop arguing and they glare at her and then they look at each other and they both say, road trip. Now, Huck says, I don't know. You guys haven't tested these machines off planet yet. Earth is pretty far away. And Daniel says, oh, come on, hunk. It'll be fun. Vince says, it'll also be a perfect opportunity to calibrate our vehicle's interstellar travel matrices. Oh, what a great way to tell mm. people that they can fly to other planets. <laughs> uh, Daniel says, uh, yeah, that too. But Hunk is interrupted by his comm. Pitch comes on the comm. Hunk, do you read? I need you in the hangar ASAP. Over. So Hunk gets ready to leave, but he says to them, I don't condone this little field trip of yours. And then he leans in and quietly says, but if you do go, I'll have five slices of the carnivore classic. Five slices? That's it for Lance, uh, for Hunk? Gee whiz. Yeah. Now, are are we thinking that they're actually going to get it from Earth to Aris and it'll still be hot? Uh, maybe if they use uh, Daniel's Voltcom speed boost? <laughs> maybe? <laughs> or, or are we thinking they're going to have to reheat it when it gets there? 30 light minutes where it's free, is that it? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Planet to planet pizza delivery. Let's let's see how that goes. <laughs> That's like Grubhub, the next generation. <laughs> <laughs> so the next scene we had, we're in the hangar now. And Pidge is saying, I've been studying the Black Lions Nexus relentlessly, but I still can't decipher the code. It's based on ancient but highly advanced mathematical algorithms. Yeah, and this is the first time of many times that they will use the word ne nexus to refer to only one piece of the nexus. Whereas in the previous episode, where the earlier episodes where they introduced the concept, the nexus was all five of the pieces combined. Um, but this is Black Lion's piece of the nexus. They just keep it simple and call it Black Lion's nexus. But there you go. Okay. So, so Hunk says, I'm going to pretend whatever you just said made sense, okay? Are you pretending that what I just said made sense to you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. So Pidge says, if I'm going to have any hope of making progress, I'll need to extract the Nexus and analyze it in the control room. Can you help me do some heavy metal surgery? And Hunk says, now that makes sense. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. We've, we've basically got two stories going on in this episode. So there's the stuff that's going on with the lions, and then there's the stuff that's going on with the cadets. Okay? Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. So at this point, Awesometron takes off, and Daniel says, Awesometron, blast off. And then he says, pizza hole, here we come. 
So they break Aris's atmosphere and they go into hyperspace. Now we're back to the hangar on, on Aris and Pidge and Honk are wearing safety goggles and they've got a blow torch and they're cutting into black, into the black lion. Mm -hmm. um, Pitch says just a few more inches, all of a sudden the area around the nexus starts to glow and Hunk goes, what the? And then Black Lion's head snaps up, he activates with a roar, he shakes Pitch and Hunk loose, rips himself from the cables and bursts free of the hangar and goes out into Aris. Pidge and Hunk get them get up and then they just have an amazed expression on their face. And that's how the, the scene ends. When they say rogue trip, it's sort of a combination of the road trip that the cadets took with the right. fact that Black Lion just went rogue. rogue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he's off on his own. We don't know what he's doing. Keep away from my nexus. Yeah. So they're on Earth now, the three cadets, and they're at the pizza hole, which is a pizza restaurant. And they're at a booth. And Larmina's got an expression on her face as she bites down into this pizza, this slice of pizza. And she says, it's official. This is the best thing I've ever eaten. Daniel says, told you. Lar <laughs> Larmina says, my royal chefs never made anything like this. And then Daniel and Vince look at each other. And Vince says, royal chefs? That sounds kind of, and Daniel finishes the sentence, spoiled. <laughs> Larmina gets defensive and she says, I was not spoiled. My childhood was just as normal as yours. Private tutoring, etiquette classes, hollow sculpting, intensive martial arts training, the usual. Anybody else have that? No. No. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the usual on Harris. Yeah. And if you you're royalty, dozen, well, if you've got a population of about a dozen, you know, you, you can afford to give them all the best, right? <laughs> yeah. So Vince says, wow, that sounds really, and Daniel says, boring. When did you have time to hang out with your friends? And Larmina says, oh, my team of bodyguards wouldn't let other kids near me. Yeah, that's not normal either. <laughs> so Daniel and Vince are looking at her sadly. They put their heads down and then something dawns on Larmina. She says, oh my gosh, I never had a real childhood. What did I miss out on? Vince says, doesn't matter now. You have a solemn obligation to the Voltron force. And Daniel says, not that anyone here seems to recognize us. So at this point, Daniel thinks the cadets of Voltron Force should be recognizable. Who, who outside of Eris knows that the cadets are even working with the Voltron Force? The, the only thing I could think of is Clash of the Lions, where Wade had taken over Voltron, maybe... Uh... Maybe uh, some people with uh, spacey cell phones or digipixes had uh, caught some images of them trying to help get Voltron back. I don't know. What do you guys think, Shannon? I mean, that's entirely possible. But the point is, you're talking about 
Daniel's perspective and his point of view from like episode one is Voltron is, you know, Voltron is big and the pilot saved the universe. And we start out with him, you know, at the victory celebration before Wade takes the lions away. And to him, it's all big scales. Oh, we're with Voltron now. Everybody should recognize this. That just mentally, maybe that's what he thinks because nobody else expresses that but him. That's right. And because I had to, I had to stop and think about that the first time I heard it. Went, that doesn't make any sense. And I thought, from Daniel's point of view, it does. It's his expectation of what the A should lead to B should lead to C. That doesn't make it accurate. Right. I mean, we know that uh, the people of Ariel know it because in Lion Rider's Return, Daigo was the one that had contacted them. But when Daigo met them, he wasn't impressed with Daniel. No. <laughs> so, so there may be a few people like Manset and whoever works with Manset. Other than that, I really don't see anybody else knowing that the cadets are involved with Ultron Force. Yeah. So anyway, knowing that, uh, we go back to the, the castle control room and his, Pidge is trying to explain the possible reasons for Black's disappearance. So Pidge says, it's as if Black sensed the Nexus was being threatened and it triggered some kind of security response. Keith says, but the Lions bond with their pilots, so how could they possibly consider us a threat? Pitch says, I don't know, but one thing is certain, the Nexus modules are far more important to Voltron than I ever suspected. I have to do some more research. Keith says, first things first, we have to bring Black back home. So Pitch says, indeed. He shut down his homing beacon, but no outbound crafts have left the planet, so he's still on Eris. We'll have to use more traditional methods to track him. And Keith says, so we have to hunt him? Pitch says, precisely. So they all agree. They're all going to hunt for, for Black. Yeah. How, how would you find Black Lion on an entire planet? I mean, it could fly anywhere, right? Or, or does it have to stay on the ground? Can it not even fly for fear of being detected by the castle? I don't know. I don't know. If it, if it goes back to its roots and they're talking about more traditional methods, then you would think it would act more like a lion. Like, yeah. Yeah. Based on his actions, that's certainly what uh, Keith seems to feel by what he's doing compared to what everybody else does. Yeah. It does make me wonder how... It just goes back to the whole, all the mysteries behind Voltron and the lions over the different shows. And it does make me wonder, why are they lions? It's still kind of a mystery. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, well. <laughs> if somebody would only have a panel where they talk about the origins of Voltron and maybe, you know, introduce it at Volcon or something like that, that would be cool. Indeed. <laughs> all right. So um, we go back to the pizza hole on Earth, and Daniel's looking at the menu, and he's a little confused. He said, did Hunk say he wanted the carnivore classic or the classic carnivore? Those two <laughs> names are way too close to each other. 
What would be the difference? I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to figure out what would be the possible difference between the two. I don't know, but I love it. I love the <laughs> idea of, of there being a difference. <laughs> so as Daniel's saying this, a massive shadow, and it looks like almost like a drool figure from outside is creeping up towards them. All of a sudden you hear a voice say, I knew it. So Daniel and Vince turn and they see an awkward 14 year old wearing a, looks like a, a Voltron uniform, a As vintage. In, uh, yeah, a classic yeah. version, yes. Now here's the That's thing. The in the Keith colors. Right, exactly. <laughs> now here's the thing. In the script, it says something slightly different about, oh. about what, you, what you see when you see Dudley. Here's, here's how it describes. Uh, they turn around terrified only to see an awkward 14-year-old named Dudley. He wears a vintage Voltron t-shirt <laughs> one will never make that, <laughs> that says Voltron forever. And he's got the, the fake drool ears that he wears like a Trekkie wears Spock ears. So Fascinating. He, okay. He does have the drool ears, right? Yes, he does. But uh, there's, not, there's no Voltron forever on his shirt. I think no. it's, it's just easier to animate a simpler design. I mean, if you, had a, if you had a Voltron forever shirt and it had any kind of artwork on it, then keeping it, keeping the artwork synced up as he turns and moves and uh, would probably be more expensive to animate than a simpler uh, sweater kind of shirt with a little uh, suggestion of a pin. Yeah. So. I agree also, completely. Plus, it fits the whole cosplay thing, too. So it work, I think it works a little better this way. So Dudley says to them, you're the new Voltron Force cadets. And Daniel proudly says, indeed we are. And you might be. Name's Dudley. I'm Voltron's biggest fan. <laughs> That's one way to push Daniel's buttons. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Daniel's, Daniel's laughing a little defensively. He says, well, I don't know about that. And Dudley, wow. He says, I'm Voltron's biggest fan. Okay. <laughs> so Daniel says, so you are. Uh, Dudley says, say, aren't there supposed to be three of you? He knows a lot. <laughs> so he knows about them. And Vince says, Larmina's here. She's just over in our booth and she's not there. So a few minutes later, they're outside. Don't you love that parking lot? How enormous their, the three awesome Tron vehicles are in the parking lot. And they, they take up basically mm -hmm. the whole parking lot. Yeah. So Daniel says her vehicle is still here. Where could she have gone? And then he looks down and he knows, notices a drool pistol near Larmina's vehicle. And he picks it up and he says a drool pistol. Vince, Larmina has been captured. And that's the end of act one. Dun, dun, dun. And of course, Larmina is always very easily captured. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, guys, if, if ending on that line was kind of a throwback, especially because we know what Greg just said, that's the first thing that Daniel's going to. And it's sort of like, nah, she's not Allura. 
Because that that thought would Laura was always not always, but often more than one female viewer might have liked in the eighties, easily captured. But Larmina, and that's why I went. You're ending on that. So what's really going on? So obviously you we're gonna get there. Right. Vince says, how could drool soldiers have found us so quickly? And then Dudley says, that's not a real drool pistol. That's for my drool soldier action costume. Only 10 of them were made. I own eight. <laughs> and you just happen to randomly bring one outside with you and you aren't even wearing the rest of the costume. Okay. Uh, because, because he owns eight, apparently he's not paying close attention to the, the one he brought with him. Because he's... He would still have seven more, so it's no big deal to him. <laughs> so on the subject of Dudley, um, as I mentioned briefly a little while back, um, Dudley was not well received by some people as when this episode first aired. Do you recall any of this at all from the message boards, any of that stuff? Do you, do you happen to have any actual messages or i don't i don't on i don't on hand but, but uh, oh, i recall okay. some people being a little bit upset that this episode might have been taking a jab at 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 actual fans of voltron from the 80s um i personally never took it that way i i took it in stride and thought it's funny it, every fandom has uh um uh individuals who are uh rough on the have similar eccentricities to dudley and i never found him to be offensive i just found him to be a funny character and not an insult but some people were a little uh not so happy with his depiction um do you you guys remember any of that back in the day or what are your well, thoughts about that i i certainly did not take it personally um I consider myself a Voltron fan, obviously, <laughs> but I, I also know I didn't, I didn't grow up with the means that Dudley did to be able to collect as much as he did. Um, and he's still young, you know, he's only 14. Right. So uh, I, I would say that he probably got some of his, his love for it from maybe his dad. That could be. Just, just from what I'm gathering from who his dad knows. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I, I, I just think he's just, a, you have to put a little bit of exaggeration on these things in, the, in these types of shows. Yeah. So I, I think he's a little bit exaggerated over what a normal uh, super fan would be and everything. Yeah. Uh, but you're also taking a look at, at a kid who maybe because he doesn't get out much or he doesn't have many friends or something like that. This may be his only thing. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, and, and I will say that I have really enjoyed one of my favorite parts of being on this podcast is meeting Voltron fans of so many varieties around the world. And so I, I kind of, I took this as, yes, it's a little over the top, but it's also, I mean, look at all the Easter eggs to Defender of the Universe. This is not, you know, jabbing a fan of Voltron of any generation or ill. Yeah. This is a loving, I think, a loving and, and, and tongue-in-cheek look at uh, the franchise as a whole here. It's not just, fan, uh, you know, a, a particular fan with a particular uh, eccentric attitude. But 
I mean, to me, this is a love letter. I mean, when, when we see what we see here in the next several uh, uh, scenes, I think this is all in good, all in good fun. But yeah, what do you think, Shannon? This, ooh, I'm in a different camp than you two, and this is very rare. Um, and part of that is I'm looking at it with 2022 eyes and not when it first came out. I did see the boards off and on um, at that time. And mm -hmm. I do remember some people being upset by it. I think it was well-intentioned. I think overall it was written well. There are pieces in Dudley's depiction. And I thought about this, like I told, just said earlier, I watched this six times in the last week. Mm -hmm. And there are throwaway lines in this episode for, for all we can say about Dudley's love of Voltron. Lines such as him being one lion short of a Voltron. And there's a couple others mm -hmm. where it wanders on a dangerous line between somebody who's really passionate about something and someone who may have thrown themselves into something because of their mental state. And it's those lines that just kept tripping me up on it. I don't think we'd have seen that in a script that was written today. I honestly, and I'm gonna come back to it. I honestly think that it's well-intentioned and definitely enjoyable. A lot of Easter eggs, very funny. It try not to get hung up on those lines because by the time you get to the end with Dudley, I think, for that he's just an impassioned, possibly misunderstood person as the two of you have painted. But it was those specific lines that actually rubbed me in the wrong way. And we're obviously gonna run across them as we read the script. And I think it would be irresponsible of me to not make a point of that. Well, I really do. do, I really do. Please do. And I appreciate your perspective, Mark. I, I'm sure you do as well. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, okay. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Dudley says, I must have dropped it on the way in. And Daniel says, oh. And then we switch from uh, Earth to back to Aris. And all the Voltron force is in their lions and they're searching for Black Lion. Except yeah. one. <laughs> well, yeah. Everybody's in their lions except for Keith. Right. Mm -hmm. okay. But uh, so Alora's, you know, surveying the ocean and she says, no sign of him here, Pidge. And then Green Lion is sweeping across the forest. And then Pidge says, negative, no visual contact, no distinctive energy signatures. And then Pidge says, Hunk. And then Yellow Lion is going across the desert. And Hunk says, can't find a thing in this giant litter box. Lance? And Lance says, I haven't been this bored since Pidge's last tutorial. <laughs> and Pidge says, hey. And Lance says, uh, how about you, Keith? Anything? So Keith is kneeling behind a tree atop a small hill, surveying the plains with good old-fashioned binoculars. He travels light wearing a loose tank top and a utility belt with canteen, compass, all that kind of stuff. And he's communicating via the Voltcom. 
So Keith says, hunting requires patience, Lance. And Lance, being a little bit snarky, says, well, you better have patience when you're traveling at five miles an hour. <laughs> and Hunk continues the ribbing. He says, yeah, Keith, what's it like without air conditioning? I forget. But Keith keeps it cool. And he says, laugh if you want. But sometimes we're so surrounded by technology that we fail to notice what's right in front of us. And Lance says, whatever you say, pal, I'll take my comfy cockpit over hiking boots any day. So apparently none of them like to get back to nature, apparently, except for Keith, huh? Mm, yeah, that's kind of sad. Right. So do we think we're ever going to live in a world where the technology is, is so in our face that we, we forget how to, how to work without it? Um, let me uh, stop checking my Twitter feed and I'll get back to you. I I'm kidding. <laughs> but there are a lot of uh, a lot of people whose faces are a little more pointed toward their screens than uh, yep. the ground or the, the world around them. And I have been guilty of that myself. How about you, Shannon? I try my best to stay unplugged when I'm not working. Uh, I have a day job that requires me to do a lot of that and then of course going to school online I'm sitting here doing that all the time so I try to I try to I try to make time for nature walks and other things to force myself to unplug to not do it all the time it's right way too easy it's way too easy yes it is yeah as as Lance was saying that Keith noticed something around him. The tall grass had been matted down like a crop circle. So if mm -hmm. you look at it from overhead, it's going to show that it's in the shape of a giant claw. I, I will say it looks a little bit more like Kermit the Frog's foot than Black Lion's foot, but it gets the point across. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at that point, Keith smiles and he pulls out his binoculars. So he, he thinks he's, he's on the track. And then we go back to Earth. And this time we see Larmina watching a group of Earth kids at a, a skateboard park. Mm-hmm, right. And here's the thing. Um, I think the script meant for these to be futuristic skateboards, but it actually ended up being regular skateboards. Yeah, I wondered about that. Yeah, so this is just regular skateboards. Regular skateboard park. Nothing futuristic must be about it. must the retro it. thing. Yeah. Retro must be in. Yeah. So she's never seen anything like this before. So a, a boy sits down next to her with his board and smiles at her. And, and she says, mind if I try? He uh, gives her the board and says, don't wipe out. And then Larmina takes the board to the top of the ramp and all eyes are on her. For the first time in this episode, we see a slight lack of confidence in her eyes, but she still sets herself up. And, and, and here's, a, here's a thing that wasn't in the script. Okay. She puts on a helmet. Oh, I'm sure mm. that was BS and P because I wondered where did that helmet magically come from? We didn't see it with any of the guys have it and hand it to her. Right. And I immediately looked at that and went, somebody broadcast centers and practices or somebody they had to go through before air said she cannot go down without a helmet 
I'm almost certain that's what happened. Yeah. I'm glad she did because it is a kid's show. And that's, that's right. exactly that's why they say it. Imitatable yeah. behavior. Yep. yep. So uh, she starts to launch it and she goes up the ramp and then she loses her balance and starts falling in the air. And as she's doing that, the, uh, the other skater people are saying, oh man, she totally wiped out. I knew she couldn't do it. But as she's falling, her warrior instincts kick in and she quickly tucks her head into her knees and does an incredible flip and twist, sticks the landing, lands on her feet, lands on both feet and just kind of slides to, till she's still. They're all going, wow, she saved it. And then she catches the board in one hand. <laughs> I do like the fact that although she made a massive, massively uh, impressive recovery, I do like the fact that she was not perfect on the skateboard on her first try. Lorena is, she is so like superhuman in her fighting abilities on this show. It's nice to show that she can't learn everything instantly when it comes to physical uh, abilities. Right. So she, she was blessing because they, they started saying, how did you do that and all that? And then you see Daniel and Vince and Dudley, they, they find her and Daniel says, there she is. And Daniel says, Larmina, where have you been? We've, we have someone you have to meet. This is Dudley. He's a huge fan of Voltron Force. And then the, the skater people are saying, Voltron Force, what's he talking about? And then Larmina starts hearing them in the background and she gets self-conscious and she takes a look at Dudley and she says, Vol what force? I'm sorry, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then she walks away with them. Instead of admitting who she is. Why would she do that? I can think of a couple of reasons. One of them is her, her, you know, wanting to fit in with normal kids and, mm -hmm. and, and gain experience in this childhood that she's never had. Um, one might just be that, well, I mean, secondary, it's really related. She wants to associate with, with kids who are uh, more in air quotes, normal than even her fellow cadets, because you know, they obviously aren't leading normal lives of kids their age right now. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that, the, and there's humor, there's the simple superficial humor part of it, but, but really I hadn't given this any thought until you pointed this out earlier, Shannon. Looking at Dudley as the, the deciding factor, if you will, that, 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 that puts her on this decision to kind of uh, act like she doesn't know any of them um, is something that I think uh, uh, I don't know that I have experienced something quite that direct or on the nose, but uh, that the idea that of, of not being cool uh, certainly has, uh, has uh, something I can tell you I've encountered numerous times in my life, surprise, surprise. And uh, that's, that's uh, not always the best of feelings. Let's put it that way. So. I believe it or not. So have I. <laughs> and that's why I was like, uh-huh, that's a little, yeah, a little too close to home there. But I yeah. think part of their goal in doing that 
I, I had to look at that from another perspective was to try to also make it relatable to the kids because even though the split is about you know I, I found people that I want to hang around with it does become that you know I, I like them better than you the popular crowd versus the knots which it very much is that mm-hmm. in in the the way that it will play out for the next few scenes at least from Larmina's perspective that's kind of the moral of all that and I think that's the point that they're trying to make along with the parallel of what is family which is what's that's the only thread that's holding us between what's going on with alliance and what's going on with the kids Mm. is what comprises family and this is actually part of that otherwise they look like completely independent threads so I know it's a little bit off off but that's 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 why I see it as key great point see yeah, i that perspective the way i saw it was this is this is her first chance that she's gotten to to really live out a childhood that she didn't have and she doesn't want to let go of that opportunity she wants to hold on to it right. and and even though it means denying who she is she's going to go that way because she wants to experience it she wants to know what it was like that's that's an understandable uh, an understandable need. Yeah, Daniel says, "I'm sorry, Dudley. I'm not sure what happened there." And Dudley says, "It's not her fault. Girls are intimidated by my vibe, and you have far more important things to do, like coming by my place to see my Voltron collection." So Daniel and Vince nod in agreement. Cool. All right. So they're actually going to go see his collection. And here's where interesting stuff. Here's where all the Easter, not all, but most of the Easter eggs come from yep. in this episode. Okay. Yeah. So Daniel and Dudley are riding Daniel's cadet vehicle. And then Vince's vehicle is shortly behind. And then Dudley points out, turn here. And then they pull into a long driveway. They pull back and up to reveal a giant mansion estate. And then Daniel says, wow, your parents must be loaded. And Dudley says, yeah, it's no big deal, but my dad's kind of a big deal. <laughs> and then Vincent Daniels vehicles pull into a massive hangar. And it's filled with like fancy cars and other cool vehicles. And Daniel's blown away. He says, your dad sure owns a lot of vehicles. This garage is huge. Dudley says, oh, this is my garage. My dad's garage is much bigger. oh something just hit me pardon the interjection what's that what what we have are two characters that in their own way could be perceived as spoiled privileged children trying to find other people to hang out with they feel will understand them larmina and dudley yeah isn't that a fair point yeah wow yeah well here's the thing uh daniel if you remember from the very beginning of, of the whole show, he wanted nothing more than to be a member of Voltron Force. Whereas Dudley here wants nothing more than to be Voltron's sidekick. Right? And Sky Marshal Wade wanted to be Voltron Force as well. Yeah. So, you know, there, there is a little bit of that going between Daniel and Dudley, 
But at, at the same time, yeah, I can see the, the similarities between Dudley and Larmina. So Daniel and Vince are, are amazed at, at the size of everything. And Vince notices a conspicuous item in the corner, a tarp covering something that looks to be about 30 feet high. Daniel nods in his direction and Vince says, what is that, some kind of rocket? Dudley says, patience, the tour is just beginning and I wanna save the best for last. So they go in through a large door and they go into a castle control room replica. Yes. Before, before we get into the image, you might notice that the background of my desktop uh, has a watermark that says models and render by Dudley Drool Wright uh, in quotation marks. Uh, that is some artwork that I've worked on myself, but my handle, I had forgotten this, honestly, um, my Voltron.com forum handle was Dudley Drewright, and it was specifically because of this episode. Um, so not only did I uh, take uh, Dudley as a, as, a, as a fun, humorous uh, uh, thing, <laughs> I apparently adopted uh, his name as part of my screen name on the Voltron.com forums. Uh, so Dudley Drew Wright, of course, is a play on Dudley Do Right and uh, Dudley from Voltron Force and uh, Drew from uh, the, the enemies from the various Voltron shows. So, yes. But as to the artwork here, um, this is this is a couple of images I've got overlaid. Uh, the camera moves from what you see over here on screen right over to the center of the room. And so you can see this is very, very clearly uh, inspired by the Defender of the Universe Castle Control Room. Um, so it's, I, I almost find it interesting. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. Daniel, being a fan of Voltron, uh, would recognize this. Um, but to a casual viewer, Daniel saying, this is the Castle Control Room, wow, to a casual viewer of Voltron Force, I don't know how you would make that connection here. Because it looks so... Easily. Yeah, so radically different from the, from the Voltron Force thing. Um, yep. I will point out as a massive nitpicker mm -hmm. before we move on that you can see here uh, uh, the shoot to uh, lion number three, which door number three, which would be the green lion in the original show. Um, the actual shoots should be underneath this dais here um, in the episode in Defender of the Universe. That's right. Yeah, this platform raises up and the mm -hmm. five shoots mm -hmm. are located mm -hmm. circumferentially. They're evenly spaced around this, this column that raises up, but uh, still very, very cool to see, including the grab bar. So fun stuff. Okay. So Daniel says, whoa, this is an exact replica of the Castle of Lions control room. Where did you get the blueprints? Dudley says, my dad knows a guy who knows a guy, but it's not an exact replica. I got rid of that stupid holographic panel. That line is making my head hurt. What is he referring to specifically? I guess I just take it for granted that I've is, seen it so often. Is he talking the about the Voltron Force's current control room? Yes. He's talking, I think he's talking about the, the floor of the control room in Voltron Force. Because, That's what I thought. And then I'm like, yeah. this is the classic room. Okay, so I'm not yeah. I mean, that there. Yeah, it is. It is jarring. Again, I mean, you, Shannon, obviously, uh, like Mark and I started as uh, Defender of the Universe fans. So that's confusing to us. And to a casual to a new to Voltron fan for Voltron mm -hmm. Force, this whole background would be confusing. Um, it's a fun Easter egg, but it is kind of confusing. Okay. Dudley escorts Daniel and Vince into an impressive private museum. 
where vintage items from the original series are encased in glass displays, mounted on the walls, etc. They mention in the script here, Sven's original suit, Keith's blaster, a Voltron lion tooth, space mouse droppings, key replicas, Keith's mullet, Pidge's original bandana, Lotor's weapons. One thing that I, I noticed that there's that, mm -hmm. that Robeast statue. I've, I've got it on the screen right now. Can you see it? Right. You yeah. see the Robeast mm -hmm. statue? Yeah, that is actually the uh, Robeast, uh, I believe, Scorpius action figure from Panache mm -hmm. Place, huh. which is fun. It's just done in uh, kind of a reddish tan instead of blue. Yep. Do we know what the ship is from? Yeah, that's the shuttle that takes the uh, Voltron Force pilots to their lions in the original series. In the original series, okay. Right. Yeah, when, when they're now they're missing, they're, there's supposed to be a couple of fins down below, but mm -hmm. it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't sit very well on the ground if it had them. So, in fact, it looks almost mm -hmm. like they traced that line art from uh, from the the show. It's that close. Now, uh, so let's let's point out mm -hmm. some of these other items over here. We have the the control yokes of the Voltron lions. Those are the, the, the two handles and the little push buttons. This is the section that mm -hmm. raises up when they say mega thrusters are go. Uh, this looks like a Keith mm -hmm. uniform in here in the lower left, the Voltron insignia here at center left. Uh, in the very distant background, mm -hmm. right of center, we see the spinning laser blade, although it's red and yellow for some reason. Um, there are various weapons on this table here and skulls. I, I can't place mm -hmm. all of these offhand. Do, do these ring bells to either of you? Nope. No. All right, and then over here we see a jacket that looks like uh, Keith's, uh, uh, I guess, jumper or whatever he wears in the original show. Uh, just below them uh, looks like um, um, an undergarment to said uniform. His, <laughs> his, his tidy whities, except they're red. Yes, there you go. Uh, yes, fruit of the lion. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, and then uh, just below that, I'm not sure what this uh, technical thingamabob is. But that's pretty interesting. And then uh, I'll cut to the reverse angle, which is an entirely different arrangement. Um, there are a couple shots as they pan over. This must be the lion tooth that yep. uh, you were talking about, although mm -hmm. it looks awfully organic to be uh, to be here. It's kind of kind of interesting. Uh, there's Keith's jacket. Look, notice that his uh, um, his uh, his underwears are missing. <laughs> yeah, his uh, his under his underwear is no longer fun to wear. It has disappeared. Uh, <laughs> um we see um this looks like hunk's vest i'm assuming yep. I, yeah yep um there's some bladed weapons probably from row beast arenas or whatnot we see an orange helmet all five helmets from defender of the universe uh hunks lances pidges alluras and uh keith so we don't have spins mm -hmm. yet um in the background various blades i can't identify all of them but this looks like a hagar robe this looks like uh urak his his uh, outfit Mm -hmm. early Defender of the Universe episodes. Yeah. Pidge's, Pidge's course, outfit. Yeah, mm -hmm. Pidge's entire thing. I don't know if this is a replica, like a, uh, I sure hope this it's is an, oh, a... Yeah. Taxidermy. Yeah, let's, let's hope not. Um, it, of, a, it, of this pink space mouse. And then, of it, course... It's uh, just a figure of a mouse. It's not anything you guys got to be worried about. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, from that's the good. smooth corners, I'd say it's a statue. Yeah, let's 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 call it that. And then this must be the space mouse droppings that this right. references. Right. <laughs> the oh fact my. That the, isn't that something? Seriously, um, that's in the script. <laughs> yes, it is. 
And then as we as we move across, because this is a wider shot, uh, we see this is my favorite thing probably. This is the the it's Lion the Key, yeah, from uh, Alfor's Tomb. Um, and then again, various bladed weapons. This looks like one of the Drool Soldiers mm -hmm. weapons from Planet Doom here. And yeah. then this is uh, Sven's uh, Bruce Lee kind of inspired civilian garb here. All right. Well, we're we're going to get a closer look at that because Daniel uh, says, and yeah. this is the thing that Daniel goes to first. Yes, he's he going says, to a different outfit actually. But yeah, right, you're right. He says, "Wow, this is a fantastic duplicate of Sven's uniform." Vince, look at this detail. And Dudley says, "Oh, it's not a duplicate. It's the real deal." My dad knows a guy, and then Vince, Vince says, "Who knows a guy?" We get it. Yep. And so here is Sven's actual uniform from Defender of the Universe. Um, so that's where the black helmet is. So you, so he complete set. Has, yeah. Um, and then there's another Voltron insignia off to the right here. This looks like Allura's formal gown from the first time the Voltron Force met her on Eris. Although it's a little more. It's reddish in this yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, it it's is. the right uh, style. It's the right style, though. Yeah, and then I'm not sure what this jacket over here is. I can't place that. That's too generic to really uh, for me to really know what that is. But yeah, this is it. All right. So then Vince eyes a blaster encased in glass, and he says, "I suppose this is Keith's actual blaster too." I Dudley's will show you all that too. But first, this is the toy that that blaster is based on. Cool. Um, ah. Yeah, it's not an exact draw. The drawing is not exact. It's been changed to be, I guess, legally distinct. <laughs> but uh, this toy, which uh, the rubber band has long since decayed, but you could just it just made a little clicking sound when you pulled the trigger. Um, I'm still not sure where this came from. It has no branding like LJN or any other company. And it's so generic in its design. I almost wonder if this was a promotional item that was given away at some point. Um, but this is the toy pistol that uh, that Keith's supposed pistol uh, is based on, and I will bring up images of that now as well. Okay, here are a couple different screen grabs, and so uh, you see the pistol there is very close. Uh, it's got mm -hmm. a lot of the same lines, and there so we go. So you and Dudley. So wait a minute, Dudley drool right, and Dudley on the same thing. Hmm. It's hmm. a pure coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> My dad doesn't know a guy who knows a guy. So, anyway. so Dudley says, yep, I like this because it's a weapon that requires skill, not some lame wrist gadget where all you have to do is press a button. Ah. Vince doesn't like this at all. No. Vince says, our Voltcoms aren't activated by a button. They're actually read our, and Daniel stops him. Let it go. <laughs> I like the way Daniel's telling Vince to let it go. I know. This is, this is <laughs> like, dude. This, this is like the opposite. Usually it's Vince trying to calm Daniel down, but wow, Vince, wow. But uh, Daniel says, so uh, listen, Dudley, this has been a real delight, but Vince and I should probably be getting back to, and then Dudley aggressively says, nonsense. I know that all this must not be very impressive to the Voltron Force cadets, but you just can't leave until you see my big finale. I promise you'll be impressed. 
So Dudley walks off and Vince says to Daniel, this guy is definitely one line short of a Voltron, but I'm still kind of curious to see what he's talking about. And that's what, that's what you referred to earlier, Shannon. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think they meant anything, uh, anything by it, but yes, you could certainly take it in a, in a, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple later ones too. I think there's three in total. That's the first one. So so if if you're if you're Daniel or Vince at this point, do you hang around and see what this thing is, or do you get out of there? I don't see anything menacing in any of this. It might weird somebody out, but I would think that I mean Vince is clearly a Voltron fan as well. I mean, it, 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 in their shoes, I think I'd want to see what's in the collection if yeah. this stuff isn't isn't. What do you think, Shannon? Well, this this would go, I think either way, your answer would be yes. Since they are all to a degree Voltron fans, there's definitely that curiosity. But even if they had a high suspicion at this point that something might be wrong, then you want to follow along to see how much more you can learn. You play along. I think in this case, it's genuine. But either way, I think they'd have gone forward. Okay. So let, let, let's finish out the collection room here with uh, yeah. just a few more screen grabs. And then I think we're, we'll be done with that part of it. Um, so again, um, here's an image of in the background, you can see behind Daniel and Vince, there is Hunk's vest. Again, it looks redder than, than in the show, but fun to see. Uh, and then a green helmet for Pidge. Um, there's another blaster that's shown in this, re this uh, reverse angle here. Um, I can't place what this is, but it looks cool anyway. Um, here's a shot showing another view of Allura's formal dress and a Voltron insignia. And lastly, here's a wider shot, again, showing the hunk vest. There's a green helmet for Pidge, a blue helmet here for uh, uh, Lance. This looks like the edge of another blue helmet, but it might be something altogether different, uh, which is kind of interesting. Actually, I think... I think there's a coloration mistake because if I remember this layout from before, I think that should be Hunk's helmet, not a second blue. You know what? Let's take a look. I think you're right. Boom, boom. Yes, you're right. Yeah, that's that should be Hunk's helmet. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, go Shannon, go Shannon. And then um, again, a couple more helmets and more assorted uh, bladed things. And that's pretty much it for the collection room. So. Uh, uh, I think they must have had a field day uh, finding things to show in here. Are there any other items from uh, Defender of the Universe that might have been fun to see here? Thinking about what you said earlier when we talked about the Castle Lions, I think what it came down to for them probably was what would be what is so recognizable as an icon to a current and a past viewer that it wouldn't all sail over their head. But yeah, let's see, what would be some things that would be nice that maybe just an older fan would get? You know, somebody who's not as familiar. I gotta think, because they did a pretty good job. They really did. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe the, the handheld communicator that they would take off their belt buckle um, and it would expand and have the little antennae that stick out. That's, that's kind of a deep cut. Not many people remember that one. Um, it's in, it's interesting that we have nothing really unless one of the weapons might have been his and it sailed over our head. Nothing that really represents Zarkon or Lotor in that yeah, room. 
maybe uh that scepter thing that zarkon used to hold that had like the oh yes the that would symbol. be that would be recognizable that definitely yep but yeah or uh lotor's uh laser sword i don't know anyway yeah that, that's fun to think about <laughs> okay so daniel says me too i just hope larmina's okay on her own then you switch to larmina and she's riding a roller coaster with a few of her skater friends and she says "Woo! being on my own is the best thing ever i love when they go back they cut back and forth and they have the same dialogue or they reflect the dialogue from yes. scene to scene and that happens a little bit more later on as well okay so now we're back to the what they call the erosion serengeti so this is sort of like the grasslands they're using the binoculars i mean keith is using the binoculars he's surveying the landscape the grass is tall thin trees end in a lake and then black is nowhere to be seen everything's obscured by trees or the water suddenly the the binoculars double back and keith says hmm, hmm. what's that and on the water we notice a reflection keith pulls focus to reveal two massive metallic paws emerging from the trees he smiles and clicks his Vulcan. Found him. So then hours later, the red line, green line, yellow line, and blue line are stealthily approaching the lake bed from the four sides, trying to quietly corner the black lion. So Keith says through his Vulcan, uh, proceed quietly. We don't want to scare him off. And then Hunk... <laughs> And Yellow Lion takes a thumping step and everyone pauses and Hunk says, what? You know stealth isn't my thing. <laughs> True. And then Alora says, I don't have a visual yet. Where is he? Pitch says, I'll use a sonar beacon. That ought to shake him loose. So you see Green Lion's mouth open and then this just big sonar thing goes out. And then the Green Lion... Uh, after doing that, you see the, the black lion emerge from its hiding spot, and Hunk says, here he comes. Do they, do they make a shot inside of uh, black lion's chest to show the nexus? I think they do. Yes, I think it, I think it, it flares up, and then yeah. you see the lions respond to it. And then what you see is each of the other four lions' nexus, and their pieces are flashing. And then what you see them, they all stop. And then Alora, Pidge, Hunk, and Lance are all ejected from their lions. Ruh-roh. Now, here's what happens that I don't get, okay? I know, I know where you're going with this, but go ahead. <laughs> I want to talk about this because previously they had been ejected from their lions by Wade when they were Voltron. Mm -hmm. When they were Voltron. And they just fell to the ground. Now they're in each of their lions and they get ejected. And this time, each of them uses a holographic glider to just glide softly down to the ground. And then they turn off the, the holographic glider. Well, maybe they learn from their mistake and clash with the lions. Maybe. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what Story I'm thinking. Wise, that's, that's how I accept it. Um... Production-wise, I wouldn't be surprised if this one fell into that same department to put a helmet on Lormina. It may have been how it was staged, 
Um, I'd have to think about that a little more. Actually, go back and watch the other one. But yeah, if nothing else, from a storyline perspective, they learn from their mistakes and pitch built it better. That's that's what I, I can gathered. accept that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably thought, let's use these parachutes, otherwise we'll fall hundreds of feet and not get hurt. <laughs> yeah, because As they did in Clash of the Lions. But yeah, because I can imagine Pidge saying, you know, what happens if we ever get ejected from our lions again? Shouldn't shouldn't we have a way to just uh, not fall so far? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it totally fits with his, his arc as we see him build up to what makes him eventually make other choices about what his role is in him mm -hmm. so that would be consistent so of course after they all drop down to the ground lance says what the heck was that so now we go back to uh dudley's manor and Daniel and Vince walk back into the hangar and Dudley trails behind them pleading. He says, but you just got here. Don't you want to see my big finale? Daniel says, Dudley, we just spent 90 minutes reading your Voltron fan fiction. Vince says, yeah, that stuff with Alora and Commander Rudley? Gross. Mm, yeah, I, I think that line. I think that This section was line. probably one of the ones that, yeah. See, there was, even back then, there was a lot of people writing Voltron fan fiction. Yeah, hey. but I don't think there was a lot of Mary Sue-style fan fiction, was there? I mean, I'm using a term from 1970s Star Trek fan fiction, where it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a trope, if you want to call it that, where fan fiction writers basically write a character that that is a mirror of themselves, um, so that they can kind of act out in their whatever role they want to act out in that they imagine themselves being in. Well, um, I would go so far as maybe it does go back that far. Um, I was thinking about something you and I were actually talking about um, briefly just before and also at Volcon. Mm -hmm. We've talked about in past podcasts how I had started out with um, working on stories with a character named Nina and there being a mm -hmm. white lion. And before I go further, I want to clarify something that has gotten really confused over the years. Please pardon this tangent, but I want it on record. When I started out, Nina was my creation. She looked like me. It was really probably me placing myself in the story. And that's perfectly fine. Right. I just wanted to say that the concept of the white lion, the tech, wasn't originally my idea. It was my sister, Leslie's. And we just kind of teamed up. And over the years, I've talked about it. I talk about me and this, me and this. And I just wanted on the record that when we started, it was both of us. And it's just important for me to clear that up. Okay. But that aside, to your point about people, people going Mary Sue, not to the point where I 100% identified with her, mm -hmm. but um, like, you, I did the article with you for, you know, lions and pilots and, and bots. The picture that you shared, essentially the outfit that I had her in was actually based on discards from mine and my mom's closet. Hmm. I mean, I literally constructed that way. I mean, it's no accident that her hair and eyes are similar to mine. So if I was doing that in the 80s, it's very likely that some people were doing variants of that that far back i'm, I'm yeah. just saying mm -hmm. yeah star trek is uh generally uh 
there are fan the people who've studied the history of fan fiction and star trek seems to have been something that uh, really really got the ball rolling with fanfic and uh, mary sue was a term that that came up in a description of different types and styles of fan fiction as far back as the 70s right yep okay so daniel says look we appreciate your enthusiasm but we really need to go find larmina Dudley, quietly to himself, says, you're not going anywhere. So he doesn't say that directly to them. He's saying it to himself as they're going to their vehicles. Mm -hmm. So we see the cadet vehicles blaze down the driveway. But they're forced to stop abruptly as a large pair of robotic legs descend into frame and crash to the ground, stopping them in their tracks. But all you see is a big pile of dust. Right? Mm-hmm. And Daniel and Vince are both saying, what the, as the dust begins to, to settle, we see what's behind it. And it's like a 30 foot tall working replica of the original Voltron. And I would argue that in this episode as finished, it looks much larger than 30 feet tall. Well, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm sharing on my screen Voltron as the dust settles and a toy, which is the Maddie Collector Blazing Sword Voltron. And I think it's pretty evident that yeah. this model is, is directly modeled after the then new uh, or then being developed uh, Maddie Collector Blazing Sword Voltron, which was a non-combining toy that had a bunch of points of articulation. Um, it's, it's, I guess you could compare it to the more modern uh, Super 7, uh, similarly sized seven inch tall uh, toy. This is actually a really, really nice display piece and uh, apparently was the inspiration for uh, this episode. I'm sorry, go ahead, Shannon. No, I just wanted to say to thank um, Greg for providing that information because I watched this and not being heavy into the toy collection side of it. I wondered if it was based on one of the actuals. And so Greg actually answered one of the questions I was going to ask. So I was just saying thank you and that I appreciated it. Yeah, yeah. no problem. And, and one thing that's really nice about using a toy like this is that all the problems of rigging are solved for you. <laughs> you know exactly where the joints are, exactly mm -hmm. how they move without parts overlapping one another as they very frequently do in Voltron Force with the Lions and Voltron. Um, so this, this guy actually has, a, has a, an advantage over uh, the Voltron Force designs themselves in that respect, so. Okay, thank you. So you hear Dudley saying as the big Voltron comes into view, now do you get it? I told you I was Voltron's biggest fan. And that's the end of act two. Yeah, that's kind of a big ending there. And it doesn't feel, uh, it doesn't feel, huh? Like the end of act one did. With right. <laughs> right. So we're, we're calling this Dudleytron. Okay. 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 So we return to Dudleytron at the beginning of act three. And he's chasing Daniel and Vince's vehicles across his manor lawn and Dudley's gleefully operating the controls and he says impressed it has 107 points of articulation and uh -huh. lost some 
It lost some value when I took it out of the box, but I'm sure it will appreciate in worth once it defeats the Voltron Force cadets. Okay, I'm now I have to ask the fact, ask this. How many points of articulation roughly do you think the Maddie collector has, Greg? And is this not exaggerated? Nowhere near 107. Yeah, it, it <laughs> was okay, more so like exaggeration. Basically. It was more like 30, as I recall. Ah. Yeah. Yes, good call. Yeah. And I'm going to share another shot of, of that design really quickly because uh, there's another shot along with it. One thing that doesn't get mentioned explicitly in this entire episode is that in this environment simulation of Eris, there's this little thing called the Castle of Lions um, as seen in the 80s. And you can see it here in the background of the image on the left. Um, and uh, Daniel's vehicle gets bumped up against it later on. Um, but it's never directly mentioned as anything at all. But there is a nice Easter egg there to the, the 1980s Castle of Lions. And off to the right, we should point out that the cockpit that Dudley is sitting in inside of his Voltron looks very similar to the cockpit of the 1980s style Lions. Right. So that's all. Yep. So as, as Greg just said, the very next thing that happens is Dudley Tron winds up and smacks Daniel's vehicle, which goes flying through the air, crashes through the wall of that large geodesic dome, and then lands on the steps of the Castle of Lions. Yeah, it's just never called out in the show itself, as, as, that, as that being what it is. Right. And then Daniel's a little disoriented, and he says, well, where are we? And then Dudley Tron flies through the large hole in the dome created by Daniel's vehicle, and Dudley says... One of my replica environments. This is where I trained to be Voltron's newest sidekick. So in his vehicle, Daniel contacts Vince on his Volcom and he says, okay, this guy is dangerously nuts. We need to shut him down now. There's reference to. When I told you guys there were certain references that, that made me take pause, this is number two. Daniel speeds towards Dudley Tron and does a rapid turn near its legs, causing the replica to lose its balance and hit the ground with a shattering thud. Then Vince's vehicle bursts through the wall of the dome and fires a volley from his saber-toothed turret <laughs> as he enters the replica environment. So all these things have weapons. Is this the first well, time that we're... Toy. Yeah, is, is this the first time that we're seeing the Awesome Tron vehicles use their weapons? This is the first time we saw the Awesome Tron vehicles. In this version, yeah. As he pointed okay. out, these are not the same things from the Hunkyard. Yep. Right. That's like those were prototypes to get us to where we are. This is right. the first time for these suckers. So in the Dudley Tron cockpit, Dudley's shaken, but he still has fight in him. And he says, kick a man while he's down, eh? And then he gets back on his feet. And squares off against the other two. But now we go back to Aris and we're in a clearing and it's during the day. And Keith, Alora, Hunk, and Pidge and Lance are huddled in a clearing discussing strategy. And but, isn't it interesting? They're all sitting on stones and it almost looks like they're at a campsite that's already been set up for them. Yeah, I thought that too. <laughs> it's like, do they go camping here frequently? Is that why Black Lion's here? <laughs> So Lance says, we could do a flyover with a light bombing array. Keith shakes his head. You know that's no match for them. And even if it was, we don't want to risk any damage to the lions. 
Lance says, too bad Daniel's not here. I bet he could race to the cockpit before the lion even saw him. Hitch says, Vince's strange connection to the lions would probably be useful right now, too. And Alora says, I'm glad you're all starting to recognize what the cadets have to offer. So that was it for that scene. Mm -hmm. So we're back to the replica environment for Dudley and Dudley fires wildly at Daniel and Vince as their vehicles just barely escape his volleys. And Dudley says, you have nothing to offer the Voltron force. They just keep you around to laugh at you. Notice the contrast. This happens, as you said something earlier about this too, several times and this is one of them. Alora ended with, I'm glad you see what they have to offer. Very first thing out of Dudley's mouth, you have nothing to offer. Right. Yep. And then we go back to Lance and he says, so we're all in agreement. The cadets are nothing to laugh at, which is directly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. But where are they? And then Hunk Embarrassed says, so here's the thing. And then we go back to the replica environment and Daniel says, nothing we try seems to phase this thing. Vince says, if only Larmina were here. And Daniel says, wherever she is, I hope she feels guilty for ditching us. <laughs> so of course we're going to where Larmina is. And she says, I am so glad I ditched those guys. <laughs> so so she's I should point out here, that you know i should have pointed this out in an earlier scene when the awesome tron vehicles are shooting at voltron and those their their weapons do seemingly no damage doesn't that strike you as a little odd yeah yes okay just curious yeah <laughs> so where where larmina actually is is at a baseball stadium uh, a professional baseball player sends one flying deep to center field where it's promptly caught by Larmina. She uses a, a holographic glove to catch it. Probably a Voltcom thing, yeah. Yep. But she had she had referenced what, what was said previously and said, I'm so glad I ditched those guys. And then we switch to King Alfor's tomb. So the, the five were outside trying to, to talk about strategy. And now Alora's back at the, the castle and she's kneeling before the tomb of her father. And she says, Father, I need your guidance. She says, I never imagined a day when the lions would turn against us. So Alfor's spirit materializes before her. And he says, the lions haven't turned against you. They are challenging you. And Alora says, but nothing we try seems to work. We've tried force. We've tried diplomacy. And Alfor says, those are the tactics of men. But the lions are not men. The lions are a pride. And black is their alpha. And did he fight or bargain his way to this position? Alora says, no. And Alfor says, then what makes him the leader? Alora says, he's the leader because he carries himself like the leader. That's, by the way, one of my favorite lines from this whole episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then Alfor says, precisely. 
So she understands now what must be done. We go back to the baseball stadium where Larmina is, and she's decked out in some, some baseball gear, and she's exiting the stadium with her new pals, and Larmina says, so what are we going to do next? I've got a lot to make up for. And one of them says, sorry, Larmina, we have to get back home to our families. And Larmina says, oh. And then the other one says, don't you have a family you need to get back to? And then she thinks it over and she says, yeah, I guess I do. So how do you think she feels at that moment? She actually does feel, I think, a little guilty because she's made the connection that as much as she wanted all these other experiences, they have been for her where it counts. And of course, she doesn't know what's happening right now, but she knows she's not with the people that have been there for her. At least that's what her, her face definitely registers. Yep. The grass yeah. is not always greener on the other side of the fence. <laughs> but she did have some fun, but it's, it's temporary because... You can't always do that. Right. So uh, we go back to uh, the clearing on Aris, where Keith and Keith alone is approaching the pride of lions and he's completely weaponless. And the rest of the pilots are watching from a nearby overlook. <laughs> Punk says, I can't believe he's doing this. Lance says, I get dibs on his motorcycle. <laughs> so whatever Keith is planning here, they don't think he's going to be successful because Alora says, shh. So Keith is moving fearlessly toward the pride. He suddenly steps on some brush and alerts the lions to his presence. They move into a defensive posture. Black gives a motor revving snarl. Keith stops, but he doesn't flinch. And after a beat, he continues moving forward. Pinch covers his eyes. He says, I can't watch. Keith continues to move confidently towards Black. The other line's body language starts to show uncertainty, but Black arches his back and lunges towards Keith. Then Keith doesn't flinch. Black takes a step back, digging his massive front paws into the ground. Keith's Voltcom glows, he forms his sword, but then Black's eyes narrow, and Keith just calmly powers down, sword disappears, and he removes his Voltcom and throws it down. But then Alora says, oh no. Black comes towards an unarmed Keith, and rather than running for cover, he simply extends his hand. Then Black stops, stares at Keith, literally inches from his face, but Keith doesn't flinch her back down, and Black, realizing that Keith is unafraid, finally kneels down peacefully, allowing Keith to touch his nose, and Black has been tamed by the new alpha. This is one of my favorite Keith sequences yeah. in the entire show. It's just, it's just neat. Yeah. I mean, he, he's always so uh, mission-focused and 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 all that, but this shows how, how that, that personality trait of his pays off. I mean, he's, and, he's, he's focused, he, he knows what he has to do and he doesn't. And this is why he's the leader of the Voltron force. 
because right. he holds himself like one. Yep. All the all the other ones would have been too scared to do this. He's holding firm. Yep. Even without the mullet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Pitch says their security systems are deactivating and everybody cheers. Yeah, he did it. That was incredible. So then we go back to the replica environment dome and Dudley Tron has both vehicles pinned under his massive legs. And Dudley says, this was too easy. You're nothing but a footnote in Voltron lore. Once the original pilots see how quickly I defeated their precious cadets, they will surely invite me to replace you. So Dudley Tron aims its arm cannons at the vehicles, ready to destroy them. But Larmina's vehicle comes bounding through the hole in the dome. And Larmina says, replace this. <laughs> and the vehicle slams all four of its legs into the back of Dudley Tron, sending it tumbling to its feet, freeing Daniel and Vince. Daniel says, Enjoy your vacation. Larmina says, any time away from you is a vacation. <laughs> and then Vince rolls his eyes. Here we go again. And Larmina says, so full throttle? And Daniel says, you know it. So just like they did in the beginning of the show, they're all coming together, running towards each other, and they all say, let's Voltron. Hey. <laughs> so they merged to form Awesome Tron. Um, Dudley Tron finally rises to its feet. And then in the cockpit, you see for the first time fear on Dudley's face. And he says, so you want to make it a fair fight, huh? Not a problem. Just gives me an excuse to use my ultimate weapon. So he punches some buttons on his control panel, the hands come together, and he forms Blazing Sword. Just and like in the picture. Is, yes. <laughs> so yeah, there it is. Pretty awesome. I love that, they, uh, that they've got the, the 80s vibe going on. And uh, yeah, they've got the little glow around the sword. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> so what ends up happening, though, <laughs> ominous music reaches an apex as the bright glow reaches its peak and Dudley Tron pulls its arms apart to reveal it's a plastic blazing sword knockoff. It's a replica. Yeah, so the camera basically zooms in on the sword and you see Voltron replica on the side. If that, It doesn't get much more on the nose than that. I mean... <laughs> yeah. And I mean, well, that's an animation. They can't put like the copyright symbol or the maker or anything so this is the closest they could do and i just went, yeah ah, that's pretty much what they're saying yeah <laughs> so vince says it's a toy and daniel says oh and then what happens is neutron or awesome tron what was it was awesome tron right yeah. yes there are still references in the script to Neutron. I don't, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know. Anyway, so they... A little, little random factoid, that happens in Defender of the Universe scripts quite a bit. Um, Lotor's original name, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, in his first couple episodes, it was hmm. something different, and then they hand wrote in his real name as they changed it. Um, 
and and the more recent example I can think of is Mongo, Hazar's friend in the vehicle team episodes, was introduced as Malvor in one or two episodes. Uh, then they changed yeah. it over to Mongo, and they then they had to change a couple of scripts by hand to keep them in sync. So okay. it did happen. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So uh, what ends up happening is the 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 sword is brought down by by Dudley Tron, and awesome tron grabs it and then breaks it and dudley is aghast he says but it was a limited edition and then awesome tron finishes off dudley tron with a massive uppercut that sends him into the air crashing into the replica steps smoldering in a giant heap of rubble dudley's in the in the totaled cockpit Electrical shorts popping all around him. He's in a daze and he's saying, Blazing Sword, I'm Voltron's sidekick, fan fiction. And then outside their vehicles, the three cadets help Dudley out of his massive toy. He's dazed but lucid again. And then Dudley says, wow, you really totaled this thing. Daniel says, it's sort of a natural response to someone trying to vanquish you. And Vince said, I'm sure your dad will buy you a new one anyway. <laughs> but Dudley says, I don't deserve one. You three have shown me that you're truly worthy of being a part of Voltron Force. They're Dudley approved. And then he says, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> now, did you guys catch totally where that was? The maybe turns it into a joke. But when he said, like, you three have shown me, it's a throwback to the way every DOTU episode ended. With that moral, that punch, and then of course the Dudley I is at the end. Maybe. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't caught that. <laughs> I was just gonna say, and then Daniel's so fed up with him, he says, Okay, we're out of here. But go ahead. I was just gonna say it's funny to me that the awesome Tron vehicles couldn't visibly damage Voltron in any way, but one punch from Awesome Tron does the deed. Right. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's one heck of a toy. So to finish off the episode, we all come back to the Castle of Lions control room, the real one, not a replica. It's got the holographic panel. <laughs> Everybody's reunited, all the members of the Voltron force, except Keith. They're chowing down on classic Earth pizza. So Alora says... This is amazing. Why didn't any of you tell me about this? <laughs> Daniel says, we made a pit stop on the way back. We figured you guys would be hungry. Lance says, or you wanted to kiss up so we wouldn't punish you for your unauthorized field trip. So Pitch says, speaking of unexpected excursions, where's Keith? Alora smiles and she says, bonding. And so they pan up to reveal Keith. He has his own piece of pizza, but he's standing on top of Black Lion in the hangar. Love it. Yeah. Indeed. Same here. Yep. Yeah, the Keith scenes where we see him doing what he does so well are, are short, but they're they 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 make their mark. They they uh they're very memorable. <laughs> yeah. So the two stories here make up the one road trip. We had a road trip that the cadets took to actually, they wanted to go get pizza, 
They weren't expecting to meet Dudley because they would have just gotten the pizza and brought home the ones for Hunk, mm -hmm. and that would have been it. But Larmina ends up going on her own little excursion where she gets to try to relive her childhood. She goes rogue from them on the rogue trip. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then Daniel and Vince meet up with Dudley and then go find out what his whole collectible, his whole collection is about. And then Dudley kind of makes things really weird. <laughs> but at the same time, there's this other story with Black Lion going rogue and then taking the other lions with him. And then the Voltron force having to win back the lion's favor again. Yep. Fun show and no villain. I mean, Dudley, yeah. I guess, is a villain, but uh, he's not trying to take over the galaxy or anything. No. Yeah. Hang on. I was going to say, on the whole, what do you think of the episode? Are we talking about Pizza Hole? <laughs> <laughs> I'm at uh, Pizza Planet. No, wait, that's uh, Toy Story, isn't it? Right. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, so uh, Rogue Trip. Thoughts? I know that I made this comments that I made earlier on, but overall, as, as a script, I really do like it. If I look past that one particular hesitation that I have, there's so much going on there. I mean, on the surface, it just looks like, you know, a, a fun romp and a, a look at, at fandom in a way, because we're talking about the Dudley section in particular. Mm -hmm. But there's is more we broke it down and we talked about like lions going rogue versus the team going rogue to get the pizza and then Larmina going rogue from the, the other two. And there's a lot that's going on in this 22 minutes without commercials. It's actually, I'm impressed more so, more so than I was, like I said, I watched it six times between us deciding to do it and being here. Now I'm done. I think better of it. <laughs> I really do. Mark, what are your thoughts? So I, I like the idea that they brought in that there's a Voltron fandom, you know, into an actual episode. I, I didn't think we'd ever see anything like that. Uh, that uh, a kid who has the means, you know, is able to build his own Voltron and his own blazing sword and have all these other collectibles and everything. And then it actually impresses the cadets for a little while, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, it, it just turns out that things go a little bit strange. But I also like the other side of this very much, uh, the fact that the, the black lion just ran away. And this is still, I, I think, having to do with the fact that uh, Wade had, had, you know, damaged Voltron, basically, and Black Lion's Nexus in particular. And the fact that the, the lions are still healing, and at the same time, Pidge is trying to learn more about the, some of the secrets that he's been seeing in the symbols and everything. Mm -hmm. 
and in doing so, he, he realized that maybe I'm not allowed to go in and try to damage Black Lion in order to find out these secrets. Maybe Black Lion, you know, will let us know these things on his own or whatever. You know, it's it's just that maybe maybe Pidge pushed a little too far. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. I just thought of something, and this may be a stretch because who knows, but Black Lion ran when they when uh, Pigeon Hook were trying to extract its piece of the Nexus. Could it also be affected by what happened when it was in Wade's custody? Um, you know, Wade had it for however long, five yeah. years, and was poking and prodding at the lion for all that time. Yeah. Could it be more wary of anybody poking and prodding at it, given the experiences that it suffered under Wade? Yeah. Very possibly, yeah. It might have been more trusting had that not happened before. Don't know. But, but anyway, I, I love this episode. Um, I, I very much appreciate you, Shannon, pointing out some things that uh, uh, probably would not have been done today. Um, and understandably so, but I do think on the whole, the script is tight. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. The stories weave together well, the editing going back and forth with the dialogue transitions, uh, they work really well. It looks great. Um, the Easter eggs are just a, a riot to, to go through and uh, it's just a lot of fun. And I, I think Dudley's awesome. <laughs> Tron. <laughs> so we... Uh... We haven't figured out who makes the best pizza. Mm. So I, I want to go over a few things that I've learned in, in my travels. Okay. The best pizza when I was growing up was Rudy's Pizza in Souderton, Pennsylvania. Okay. Rudy's doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. So I can't go back and relive that part of my childhood. Uh, but the best thing that I liked about that pizza was that they they baked the oregano right into the pizza. Uh -huh. And I always loved that because I love oregano. And a lot of pizza places don't even put oregano in their pizzas. They That's give true. it to you, they give it to you on the side and they say you can add your own oregano if you want, but they usually don't bake it in. Um the best pizza pizza on the planet I've ever had was in Italy. Wow. Yeah. I've never been to Italy. Me and, and I, I really liked their style of pizza. Um, but the best pizza in New York that I ever had was Joe's Pizza, which was in Times Square. Oh, that's fun. And uh, I'll let you know, I'm not a fan of Chicago style pizza. The, okay. The really thick pizza i'm not i'm not into that at all deep dish pizza i'm not into that okay shannon do you have any preferences uh truthfully i don't part of that has to do with as we've talked about before on the podcast i spent most of my childhood in like japan i think my first real introduction to pizza i'm sorry to admit it was a 1980s Chuck E. Cheese pizza. We did a lot of birthday parties in Hawaii at Chuck E. Cheese. 
Wow. And so still, obviously I have a ways to go up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't really go uh, can't, much, can't lower. much lower. <laughs> no um, offense, Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> it, or Billy I mean, Bob from Showbiz. <laughs> on a sentimental level, having having lived in LA for 25 years, I miss they were originally known as Stagecoach, but now they're Rose's Pizza in my adopted hometown of Cheney. Compared to, compared to the Pizza Hut and the Domino's that's in town, I would take roses any day, but obviously I can't call from LA and ask for something from Cheney. Good luck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's a lot there's a lot more out there that I'd, I'd like to sample. And while I've made do with them, um, of late I've had to experiment more with sweet potato pizza, cauliflower crust pizza, um, other sorts of things for for various health reasons and to a degree that works but it's not quite the same it's not yeah yeah as a kid um we we went almost every friday my dad after work would go to a uh an independently owned pizza tavern kind of place and get carry out from a restaurant called Schumuth's ah. uh, in greenville ohio and that is still for sentimental reasons, my favorite pizza. That place has been out of business for decades. Um, I'm told that the descendants of the original owner has, uh, they have the recipe and I've been thinking about reopening somewhere. Uh, but uh, that was my sentimental favorite. And I don't know that I have a single favorite pizza maker now. I don't know. <laughs> Can I show you guys something real quick before we sure. end the podcast? Yeah. I there's one image that I, I took several screen caps that I did not share as we went through because I was trying not to go too far overboard. But this one is actually fun because uh, I noticed an animation glitch just as, as we were going through the episode. Okay. Can you find the glitch? Here's a hint. It's Vince or his vehicle. Right. It's a it's a post processing thing. Look, notice that there are there's a wireframe of oh, the tank. Oh, the colors are off shifted slightly. Like yeah, the blues looks, are are down, and they should be well, lined up with the grays. Well, well you've got line art. So here's what's oh happening. Oh my gosh! Yeah, there's a tune render here. There's an error in the tune render. Oh so yeah. The full color 3D model is 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 intact and correct but the tune style outlines are off by maybe a frame or a half frame. So you can see the outlines of the deck here and the treads and the, the little uh, uh, flipped open tank hatch and the, the blue panels here, they're uh -huh. off. Um, and I, I, I did not notice that until I was, I was considering whether to show this during the episode review. So a little bit of a glitch, but Good it catch. also sheds some light into the tune render and how it works. And it looks fine over here with Daniel's, uh, booster bike or whatever you want to call that thing mm -hmm. uh but yeah that's all <laughs> that's cool yeah very i did not notice that thank you <laughs> so i think that's a good uh, wrap up for road trip so thank you for joining us again shannon thanks for having me as always yeah thank you and uh we'll see you all next time on let's voltron let's go